It's funny, I just found out recently that my microphone doesn't work when I don't turn it on, which is kind of a weird thing. Uh, that was a good prayer. I don't know if you guys heard it. Uh, I'm glad the Lord did. Uh, happy 4th of July. It's good to see you for all of those who uh, had travel plans or wanted travel to travel this week and it didn't work out. Uh, my apologies, uh, but I'm glad that you're here with me this morning. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to what God has in store for us. Uh, if you don't know, my name is James. I have the great joy and privilege of being the pastor here at Christ Point Church. I want to welcome you. If you are new, uh, hopefully you see a connection card on your chair or at the table uh, where you are sitting. If you could scan the QR code on the bottom uh, or on the, on the bottom of that little card, let us know that you are here this morning. If you're interested in taking your next step here at Christ Point, um, that's the best way to hear about all the things that are taking place here at CP. And so please take a moment uh, to do that this morning. Uh, I want to give God thanks for all of those who brought groceries for Mission City Church. Uh, we've been able to partner with them for almost a year now, uh, providing groceries for the under-resourced in the Charlotte community. We do it the first Sunday of each month. And so if you had the opportunity to participate, uh, I give God thanks for you. If you didn't, uh, we're going to do it again next month. And so circle your calendar uh, and make sure you don't miss that date. I want to let you know that after the service, we're going to head over uh, to the land. There's six and a half acres over my right shoulder. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, uh, but this week, as of Wednesday, uh, we became proud owners of six and a half acres of land. Yeah. Huh? Uh, very excited about how God is going to use that uh, space and that place to point people to him for, uh, for decades uh, to come. I really believe that we have only begun uh, to see the good work that God is doing. And so how cool is it that we get to dream together uh, into the future and pray that God would continue to do uh, great work in this community and around the world. So we're super excited about that. We're going to give God thanks after the service um, just so you know, I'm going to tell you this now because I'm going to forget 25 minutes from now. Uh, when you leave this place, when you're going down the gravel drive, before you hit Ridge Road, there's another road to your right. You'll see a big bale of hay. I think that's what it's called, Donnie, right? Big, yep, he's, he's looking at me with, you know, kind of angry eyes right now. But yes, that's what it's called. Uh, make a right there and you'll go down this little gravel road. We're going to park our cars before we get to Ridge because if all of us park over uh, on the land, you'll never be able to leave. Uh, and it's the 4th, and I know you have plans this afternoon. So uh, go out there after the service. We're going to pray together and uh, give God thanks. also want to let you know, uh, for everyone who's here today, uh, Jody and Wes were kind enough to provide popsicles for everyone. So, yeah, let's give it up for Wes and Jody. Yeah, uh, they're, they're next door, but uh, after the service, as you're leaving, um, grab a popsicle, you know, and enjoy. It's really our treat. Uh, to you, we, we just simply ask, make sure uh, as the popsicle is melting that you uh, have it inside the barn. We just don't want any of that to drip on our new land. And so I'm, I'm kidding. Don't eat it in here. Go, joking, Donnie. It's a joke. Uh, we're we're going to go out. Don't eat the popsicle in here. Uh, eat it outside or in your parents' car. Um, cool. Uh, the kids, I don't know if you know this, but the kids are in the service today. Uh, typically, they're very excited to leave this place and bug out when I start talking, but not today. Not today. Today, uh, they are with us, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. I've been told that uh, kids and adults, really all people, have short attention spans, and so I want the kids to help me with a message today. Um, and so I need, uh, I need five volunteers, uh, five volunteers. Uh, one of my volunteers 
uh, needs to be able to give uh, an adequate to good horse impression. And so five kids, one needs to be able to do an adequate or good horse impression. I'm just going to, just come on. I'm, I'm not going to call you out, you know, because I don't want you to feel all weird about it. Just, just start coming. The, the buses will wait, as Billy Graham used to say. We just come. There, there, I see you coming. Yeah, well, we, I mean, I think, oh, no, we got, are you, I planned all week for this. Oh, I need five. I'm just going to start calling people. I need five volunteers. Come on. I see you, Trent. Come on. Don't be scared. Yes. Come on. Uh, just four, four more people. Four more people. Really, really anyone. Anyone. I'll, I'll take anyone. Come, come have a seat. Come have a seat. You can choose a chair. Do you, do you have, do a good horse impression? Nay. Nay. That's not good. Um, you sit here. You sit here. Here. I'll, I'll explain later. Uh, four more, four more. I'll, I mean, I'll, listen, I don't have plans until tonight, so I'll hang out here all day. Come on. Yes. <laughs> Are you? Very nice. Yeah, Frank. Frank, how's your horse impression? Frank's our big kid. Oh, you want to do a horse? No, I don't want to. Okay. But I will. Here, you do this. You do this. You do the horse. The horse has been taken. Right here. Um, you can all do the horse at the same time. I need one more person to be my clock. One more person. You're holding a clock. It's not that hard. I, I, I got comfortable chairs. Just one person. One. Yes! Yes! This is lovely. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. That's how you know who the introverts are, by the way. They're like, I'll be behind the clock. Don't mess with me. Um, so, so just so you know, uh, this is how this is going to go. I'm going to, when we do this most Sundays, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. We're going to pray about it, and then we're going to explain it together, okay? And so I just want to, I mean, thank you for volunteering today. If you didn't come up, I still would be waiting, and it would have been really awkward. And so we're in the book of Colossians. I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if you've heard. We're in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. Um, the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul from prison, which is, you know, we've said is kind of a, a bummer deal. But that's where he found himself. And he wrote to a, the church in Colossae. He had never been there. He didn't start it. He didn't plant the church. But he knew who did. And so he was sending this letter to them, explaining to them what does it look like to walk with Jesus, to follow Jesus. And so we've been walking through this letter together. And these are some um, kind of practical applications for us to apply to our lives. This is what it looks like uh, to follow Jesus. Trent, how, how are you doing so far? Good. How am I doing so far? Okay. <laughs> average. Thanks. I'll take average. C's get degrees. Okay. Colossians chapter 3. Uh, verse, I'm joking, kids. A's. A's. You want to get in the college of choice. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. I'm going to read through verse 14. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Verse 14 says, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together 
in perfect harmony. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Would you pray with me? I always say that you know you better than I know you, and so just take a minute and pray for yourself. Uh, Pray that God would give you ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive his word this morning. And if you would be so kind, take a moment and pray for me and ask that God would give me clarity and wisdom and uh, strength and boldness as I communicate his word to you. God, thanks so much for your living and active word. Thank you that you still use it to form and shape your people uh, to change us. Uh, We need that today. Lord, I need that today. And so I pray through and by the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, you may uh, cause uh, us to reflect your Son. Uh, Lord, thanks so much for the opportunity that we have to gather. Thank you for giving us the freedom to do so. Uh, Thank you most of all for the freedom that we have in your Son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Um, How are you doing? Good. Great. Um, I feel like we should do introductions because you know you, but not everybody knows you, right? So I just want to go down the line, and I just want you to say your name. Can you do that? Okay. Well, yes, sir. Yes, come on. Give me some of that. That's good job, Fosters. You're doing a great job. Name? My name's Trenton Foster. Trenton Foster. Beautiful. Frank Pounds. Uh, Patrick O'Rourke. And I'd like to give a shout-out to the family in the back, the O'Rourkes. Wave. Bunch of introverts back there. All right. That was a little more than I asked for, but, but thank you. Grace Warren. Do you want to give a shout-out, too? To no. The, okay. <laughs> Justice Coleman. Justice Coleman. Do you think that anyone can see you right now other than me? No. Okay. You just stay right there, Justice. You're doing a great job. Um, so, so I said that we were going to read the passage, we were going to pray, and then I just want to talk about these few verses together, and you're going to help me out, okay? So this is really cool. Paul wrote to the church and says, put on, then... Uh, which means uh, this is something that we're supposed to put on as believers. It literally means something that we continue to put on. So these are kind of like clothes for Christians, right? This is sort of cool. He says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I love that. Paul writes to the church and says that you are chosen ones. Um, God picked you. Have you guys ever been picked for anything before? Ever been picked before? Um, Have you guys ever been picked for anything? It's kind of cool, isn't it? Like if you get picked to be on a team, if someone sees you or notices you and goes, man, you have a gift or an ability or a talent, I, I choose you, I, I pick you. Or, or maybe um, you got picked for uh, something at school, some uh, program or some club or some special deal. Maybe you tried out for a play uh, like I did when I was in high school and I got picked. When the names were posted, I ran into the hallway and I saw my name and it was like, oh. like they, they chose me, I got picked. Um, do you know that God, God chooses his people? It says here that you are chosen. And and we didn't get chosen because we were spectacular or because we were awesome or because of anything we had done. In fact, there's a passage in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. It says this about God's people. For you are a holy people uh, to the Lord your God. Uh, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all peoples on the earth, on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you 
And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So this verse says that God, God chose a particular people to himself, and not just the Jews, but as we read all throughout the Bible, God swings open the doors and invites other people to be a part of what he is doing uh, in the world, which is really cool. And so if you are a Christian, if you've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, uh, you are a chosen son or daughter of the king, which is pretty cool to think about. Um, Paul says you're holy. To be holy means you're set apart, uh, which is interesting because um, I don't know if you've had this experience or not. I don't know if you guys have had this experience or not, uh, but when I live life, sometimes I make decisions that aren't very uh, holy-like. Like I see my own brokenness or my own sinfulness. And yet here, Paul writes to the church and says, you are holy, like you're set apart. It's, it's amazing. On one hand, we're already holy. And on the other hand, God's still working in us. He's still forming and shaping us. And he does it our whole lives. Like he never stops. None of you guys, gals, are finished products. And so God is still working. He says that you are chosen, uh, that you are holy or set apart. And he, and he calls of the church beloved. Um, do you know that the God of the universe uh, who made you and knows you, um, he loves you? Like he knows everything about you, like the good and the bad and the ugly, and he still loves you, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Paul writes to the church and says, continue to put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then he's going to list essentially five things um, the first thing that he notes is uh, compassionate hearts. I want you to put on a compassionate heart. The old King James Version translates this literally, the bowels of mercy, which kind of sounds funny to me. Doesn't that sound funny to you, Trent? Yeah, I don't, bowels of mercy doesn't sound fantastic to me, but what it means is tenderness of heart or tender mercies. Uh, when I read this, I thought about uh, one of the arguably top three movies that was ever made. Arguably the top three. It came out when I was probably your age, Trent. Um, and it's, uh, it's a movie called The Karate Kid. Have you seen it? Yeah, I don't think it won any awards, but it should have. It was spectacular. It told the story of Daniel Russo. Daniel Russo uh, moved to a new place, a new town, and he got picked on. He kind of got bullied and pushed around by some kids that were pretty mean to him. So he decided that he would learn karate so he could defend himself so he could fight. And so he walked into the local dojo. I think that's what it's called. You should ask your dad. Um, he walked into the local dojo and he wanted to learn karate. But when he walked in, he saw like all the kids that beat him up. And there was one guy in particular who was kind of the leader of the pack. And uh, he really wasn't a, a nice guy. And he had a slogan uh, that he would teach the kids. I want to teach it to you now. Maybe, maybe you've seen the movie before. Maybe you're familiar with it. But it's, it's strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Do you remember this? Strike hard, Strike fast, strike hard, no mercy. Can you, can you guys say that together? Oh, was that pathetic. Listen, I want you to be trained fighters by the time you leave this morning. So I need you to say this with a little gusto, with a little oomph. Okay, you ready? Strike, strike first, strike hard, no, no mercy. mercy. Better, better. Strike hard, strike fast, no mercy. I want you to, can you put this on? What did I say? Oh, oh let me read it. So this is why I have notes. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Okay, there you go. Put, can you put that on? I think it's like a youth small, so it might be tight, but. Yeah, that's true. That early bird gets the worm. 
so nobody can hear the conversation we're having right now, Frank. <laughs> Just so you know, it's it's awkward. It's awkward for people listening. Oh, sorry. Okay, so I'm gonna put this on you. Uh, and I know this. I mean, this was like Daniel's thing, so I know it's kind of you know. When when I thought of uh, of Paul's words here, um, that that Christians, that followers of Jesus, should be marked uh, by compassion, I thought of of this, and then I thought the opposite. Right. Um, for, for the longest time in, in the world, people were not marked by compassion. In fact, thousands of years ago, if, uh, if you were someone who was not strong and powerful and mighty, um, oftentimes you were forgotten. In many cases, you were discarded. Uh, people did not show compassion towards you. And so Paul writes to the church, a, a world that believed in no mercy, and says, I want you, I want your life, uh, to be marked by compassion. Uh, when you see this shirt, I want you to think about compassion. Can I ask you a question, Christ Point? Um, how are you doing with compassion? Like, how are you doing with showing compassion? Uh, when you look at the world, not the whole world, but your little world, the world around you, your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, like, do you, do you go out of your way um, to show compassion to those around you? Paul wants us to continue to put on uh, compassion in our hearts and in our lives. Do you know the second thing that he uh, says what you should do? We should put on kindness. Uh, we should put on kindness. Do you know that God is kind? You ever stop to think about that before? God is kind. I don't know what your picture of God is that you have in your mind, but sometimes it's easier for me to think of a God who's, who's strong, who's firm, who's disciplined, um, who's just. Than, than a God who is kind. Uh, and yet, uh, the, the Bible says it is God's kindness uh, that leads to our repentance. You ever think about that before? It's God's kindness that leads to repentance. As a dad, sometimes I think it is rules that lead to repentance. It is law that leads to repentance. It is discipline or punishment that leads to repentance. But but the Bible says that it is God's kindness uh, that leads to repentance. Um, God is kind. George Bernard Shaw, he was a playwright. He once wrote to Sir Winston Churchill. Have you ever heard of Sir Winston Churchill? No? Um, I get it. He's, he's not with us anymore. It was a long time ago. But George Bernard Shaw wrote to Winston Churchill and said, enclosed, he sent him an envelope, he said, enclosed are two tickets for the opening night of my play. Bring a friend. And then in parentheses, he said, if you have one. Um, that was not kind. And so George Bernard Shaw wrote Churchill back, or Churchill wrote Shaw back and said, Dear Mr. Shaw, unfortunately, I'll be unable to attend opening night of your play due to a prior engagement. Please uh, send me tickets for the second night if you have one. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's witty. I like it. Um, that's the opposite of kindness. That's the opposite of kindness. Kindness in the Bible has this idea of taking uh, the harshness off something. Interestingly enough, um, Scripture oftentimes uses this word to, uh, or, or they use the word thousands of years ago to refer to taking the, the bite out of, out of wine, like taking away the harshness from it. So the Bible says that we should be a, a kind people. We should be a kind people. Frank, why, why do you not have the, the hat? I like what you did there. So what I was thinking, what would be a good thing to represent kindness? And then it struck me, a Detroit Lions hat. 
um, because the Detroit Lions have been kind to the rest of the NFL for 70 years. <laughs> They've been giving away victories for a long time now. And so uh, when, when you see the t-shirt, the strike first, strike hard, no mercy, I want you to think of compassion. Al, thank you. Thank you, Al, for playing along. Um, the rest of the congregation, I want you to think of Compassion. When you see the lovable losers, the Detroit Lions, who have been giving away games for 70 years, I want you to think about kindness. So Paul writes to the church and says, I want you to continue to put on compassion. I want you to continue to put on kindness. And then he says, I want you uh, to put on humility. Uh, humility in Colossians 3 means lowliness of mind. Uh, humility is a posture of the heart. Someone once said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Uh, when I think of humility and how to define it, sometimes I think about a story. Sometimes stories are powerful in giving us definitions. And the story that I thought of was the story of Jesus when he neared the end of his life and he was with his disciples. And um, as Jesus spent his last hours here on earth, he spent uh, those hours serving his disciples. One of the things that he did is he washed the disciples' feet. Um, to wash someone's feet was something that a servant would do, not a king. Uh, Jesus was a king, uh, but he came as a servant. And so I thought of a towel uh, for humility, because it takes great uh, humility uh, to serve others. And so Paul is writing to the church and says, church, um, I want you to put on humility. I want your lives to be marked by humility. So let's review. Uh, Paul says, I want you to put on compassion. compassion. I want you to put on, I want you to put on humility. humility. Right? The fourth thing that Paul uh, encourages the church to do is to put on meekness. Meekness is not a word uh, that we use very often. Oftentimes, actually, when we think about meekness, we think about weakness. Uh, but meekness uh, is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. We live in a culture where we are encouraged to be strong and bold and confident and assertive. So why in the world would meek uh, be a good word to describe followers of Jesus? What's interesting when you study the word meek, it actually, uh, the English word comes from a word meaning gentle. Um, but it's also used in Greek literature to be translated as strength uh, under control. Strength under control. In ancient Greece, war horses oftentimes were trained to be meek. Uh, they were strong and powerful, and yet they were under control and willing to submit. And so I said that one of our volunteers uh, needed to be able to, to give a good horse impression. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take it by faith that we have a good horse impression over here. And I want you to give um, the best horse impression that you have ever given in your whole life. <laughs> That's spectacular. I love it. That's, that's really good. So Paul writes to the church and says to the church, listen, you, uh, you're holy, uh, you're set apart, uh, you're chosen by God, uh, and uh, you are loved by God. And then he says, I want you as the people of God to put on
That's really good. That's really good and fresh. And the last thing, that last attribute, character attribute, that Paul encourages the church uh, to put on is patience. And that's why we have a big old clock uh, at the end of our row. Put on patience. When I think about patience, I think about waiting. And I think about time. There's two words for patience in the New Testament. Uh, One talks about bearing a burden. The other one uh, talks about being long-tempered or or, or passion. It's the idea of being able to withhold uh, one's temper, the ability to be able to withhold uh, one's temper. It's amazing how many times um, the Lord gives us opportunities uh, to practice these things in real life. Uh, Yesterday, I went over to my parents' house. I'm leaving for vacation uh, this evening, and I went over for dinner, and so uh, I was going to pick up dinner with my brother. And we decided where we would go, and I realized that they have an app where you can order your meal uh, on your app, and you can go, I'm sounding like an old person right now, but you can, I'm like, you get an app on your phone, you order it, and then you go pick it up, and it's ready for you. It's the most amazing thing in the world. And so like a few clicks and off you go. And so we were sitting in the driveway and I was driving and my brother's going, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm ordering dinner. I'm like, this is cool. We order it now. We drive there. It's on the little shelf when we get there. We take it, we come home and we eat. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, right? It was going to be fantastic. Except they said it was going to be ready in 10 minutes. I showed up 20 minutes later. I walk in, I look for my name on the shelf and it is not there. Houston, we have a problem. And so I waited in line while other people who were live and in person ordered, had their food made, paid for their food, and left said restaurant. It was my turn, and I stepped up, and I said, do you happen to have a mobile order uh, for James Metzger? And they looked behind their shoulders like something was actually going to be there. And then they looked over to the wall and saw my order right there on the wall, and they grabbed the ticket, and he said, it will just be a moment. At this point... Um, I have an opportunity to practice patience. And so I decide, um, since they have my real name, um, not to uh, harm my testimony and calmly walk outside. And I I go into my car, and my brother, uh, who was there, who I just explained to him the beauty of ordering ahead on the app, he's like, where's the food? And I'm like, they have to make it. He's like, they have to make it. I thought you ordered ahead. And I'm like, I did. I said, I just don't have the courage to tell them that it defeats the purpose of ordering ahead if when I show up, they haven't started the order. Um, That was an opportunity uh, for me to practice patience. Um, Do you know that scripture says as the people of God, we are to be marked uh, by patience? Um, Can I ask you a question? Um, how are you doing? Are you a patient person? Are you the type of person who rolls up to the light and counts the cars and notices that there's only three cars in the right-hand lane and there's only two cars in the left-hand lane, and so you swing over to the left-hand lane so you don't have to be behind that extra car in the right-hand lane? Uh, do you count people in the grocery store and think to yourself, I've got I to gotta find the fastest lane? Is your life marked by irritability or a low-grade anger, as I said last week? Uh, because things don't always move uh, quite as quickly as you want them to. 
Um, Paul writes to the church, um, those who are uh, chosen and those who are holy and those who are loved by God, and says to them, I want you to continue to put on, that was weak, continue to put on, And uh, when we, as the people of God, uh, put on uh, these uh, attributes, these character qualities, um, people take notice and the community changes. Uh, Paul wrote to the church and he said to the church in Colossae, when you do this, you will uh, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, you will forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I'm going to talk about what that looks like in just a second, but first, I want you to give our volunteers a round of applause. You guys can go back to your seats. Yeah, <laughs> Frank goes, I'm not going to be taking that with me. Let's get on the bandwagon now, new, new coaching staff. It's going to be different. Um, when our, our lives are marked by these things, uh, our, our community inside uh, changes. We change, you change, you and I change. And, and Paul says this is what it looks like. It looks like bearing with one another in love. The word for bear in the Greek means to endure something unpleasant or difficult. And just think about that. Sometimes we have this picture of the, of the church as this perfect place. Like it's going to be great. And then you get to know people and you realize that they're broken just like you are. And so Paul says, I want you to bear with one another. It means to endure something unpleasant or difficult. <laughs> I have this story that I'm... I still want to tell, but I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, you're welcome, Billy. Um, he says, bear with one another, forgiving one another. Right? When, when these character traits, these attributes are present in our lives, we are a people who forgive one another. We extend forgiveness when people, when people hurt us. Um, and the reason that we do that is because we've been forgiven. And so forgiven people forgive. And then Paul says, the last thing that I want you to put on uh, is, is love. And that is what, what binds us together as a people of God. Uh, I will say this, and then I'll, and then I'll pray. Um, th th this, these, right, C compassion and, and kindness and humility and meekness and patience is not meant to be experienced uh, solely as individuals. Uh, instead, it is to mark the community, the people of God. I say that because this summer, uh, we are working toward relaunching our small groups in September, in early September. At Christ Point, there's really three primary ways that we can connect our men's groups, our women's groups, and our small groups. Last year, admittedly, was a little crazy, right? And so, uh, we are, are doing our best to, to move out of that and move toward what we read about here in Scripture. 
Uh, we want to be a people who are walking alongside one another. And so this morning, I want to invite you to pray for two things. One, I want you to pray and uh, inquire of the Lord to see if he might have you be a part of a small group in the fall. Um, I think God's going to use that to form and shape you into the man or woman uh, that he wants you to be. We want as people to be known, and we want to know one another. Uh, and we cannot do that uh, on Sunday morning as we're just passing ways in the barn. Right? We need to spend time together, rub shoulders, and do life together. So pray toward that. And, and then secondly, I'm praying that, that God might provide uh, a small group's director, a leader, uh, who will oversee uh, the ministry and pour into other small group leaders uh, so years from now, as God adds to our numbers, as he grows us as a people, uh, people who might feel on the outside looking in uh, would feel a part of what God is doing here at Christ Point. So pray toward um, those two things. Listen, uh, the people that God chooses, he changes. The people that God chooses, he changes. I'm convinced uh, that he's changing you and me uh, even in this moment. Uh, right now. And so let's pray that he might do that. Uh, God, thanks so much for your living and active word. Thank you uh, for uh, the new life that we have in Christ. This passage here is talking about life in Jesus. Lord, we're not finished products. Uh, we are in no way, shape, or form uh, perfect people, but you're changing us. We really believe that. And so by the power of your spirit, I pray that you would help uh, us uh, to put on compassionate hearts, uh, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I pray that you would do it for our good and uh, for your glory. Uh, Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, one of the great joys that we have here at Christ Point is to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, the Lord's table or communion is an opportunity that we have uh, as the people of God uh, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. Um, this meal is for the people of God. It's an opportunity that we have to declare that we trust in the work of Jesus and we believe as a people uh, that he's coming again. Um, on your seat, you may have noticed this morning, there is some juice and there's some, uh, a, a lid that you can kind of peel back and get um, the bread. If you don't have one of those, look at a seat near you and grab one. I'm going to do that right now. Uh, and then I'll walk you through that. We'll do it together. Uh, would you pray with me as we give thanks for the bread? Uh, Father God, thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, thank you, Lord, that his uh, perfect life and his death and his resurrection gives us life by faith. Uh, Lord, thank you that you've invited us into a relationship uh, with you because of the sufficient sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Uh, God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray and give thanks uh, for the cup. Uh, 
Uh, God, your word says that without uh, the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And so we pause this morning uh, to give thanks for uh, the shed blood of Jesus who uh, paid the penalty for our sins and uh, washed them away. Thanks for the new life that we have uh, because of your son, Jesus. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture says in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me? Father God, thanks so much for uh, the reminders that we have in life of your goodness and your faithfulness uh, to your people. Uh, thank you so much for the life of Jesus that we have been given through no merit of our own, uh, but through the good work of Jesus and Jesus alone. God, I pray that you would continue to uh, form and shape us into the people that you have called us to be. Uh, we can't do that on our own. Our life is not a self-improvement project. Uh, we need your power in us uh, to change us. And so I pray that you would do that uh, now. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Would you stand?